Today we have communion, don't we? Mm-hmm. And in light of that, we just have a little message here that is designed to cause us to contemplate the mighty God that we serve. Amen? Amen. And the sacrifice that was made for us. Thank you so much, Gabriel, for reading the scripture. Here's another version of it. It shows up in a slightly different place, but in the same book. I like the way it is said in the New King James Version. Here's what it says. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Hmm. Therefore, his own arm hmm. brought salvation for him and his own righteousness. It sustained him. His own. I would like you to think. Think back to the beginning. Here is this image of the Creator. But before we get to this point, recall there was darkness and the Spirit of God moved and shaped as it moved because when the Spirit moves, it brings shape and form. And God said, let there be light, and there was. And God said, let there be a firmament, and there was. And God called the mountains up from the sea at the command of his word. You have to appreciate the power of God's word. He's there. He's everywhere, all at the same time, and he verbalizes. And the word goes out and all of the elements and the particles that make up nature hastily move to go into a configuration that is in line with the will of God. And he speaks. And he speaks as any king may speak. And the subjects obey. Oh, that the Lord would speak to us. Mm. And then we get to this very interesting scene. The Bible says that there were rivers in Eden. And I don't know which body of water the Creator stooped down beside. But I imagine that He reached over and there was a little bit of dirt. Come on now. And on the other, there was a little bit of this water. And he put them together and, and he began to mix it, not unlike the way he mixed together the dirt and the spittle when he healed the blind man a little later on. Come on now. Jesus is mixing the dirt there, bringing order out of the chaos, forming humanity. Bringing enthalpy to entropy, bringing order. Can you see him? The master sculptor, the potter, 
working with the clay, you know he'll do that today. If you are broken, if you are poor in spirit, if your marriage needs more than a band-aid, the potter, oh yes, will work. Can you see Jesus there, the creator, working, working with the clay and forming man, it says, and the Lord God, and there we have his title here on one end, formed man of the dirt. Think about what it means to serve a God that could have spoken the word, but he himself, who is the word, yes, Elder Ron, John chapter 1, verse 1, he stoops down himself in the dirt. God himself. God in person. And in a sense, he saves us by breathing breath into our nostrils. A God who will stoop down himself. That's what we are going to examine in two other little examples. In this little micro message that I have titled God in person. The personal God. God in person. The personal God. Sing this little song with me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, pure and holy, tried and true, tried and true, with thanksgiving I'll be a Sanctuary, sanctuary, Lord for you, Lord for you. Mm. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy throne of... Yeah, yeah, hey, let's pray. Oh, our Father and our God in heaven, Lord, I firstly ask that you would hide Ryan. Let us not hear from that imperfect sinner, but would you, Lord, yourself come and speak to us. Move us, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Give these words power, Lord, as we focus on the mighty sacrifice you made for us, how you came yourself to save us. And Lord, let us be not merely convinced, but convicted to turn our lives over to you. 
This is what we ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say, Amen. amen and amen. Two bald-headed preachers. You know who they are. One chocolate and one vanilla. We need a strawberry preacher. So if anybody out there, <laughs> so we can make this a set. Two preachers entered into the hospital room. Sister Kathy Conklin is there, you know. And we would encourage you to go and visit. It seemed to Pastor Neary that she had deteriorated since the last time he saw her. Now, the both of us standing there, armed with what a preacher is armed with, the Word of God, here she is. And now they have intubated her. And the tubes are going every which way. I can't turn the doctor in me off. I took a glance at the telemetry, see what the vitals were. Pastor Neary scooted up. And he looked at her. She can't talk because she is intubated, you know. He says, Sister, can you hear me? And she opened her eyes and she looked over. And there's them two preachers, chocolate and vanilla, standing by her bedside. You know, every time you go to the hospital, you also witness to the nurses who will sit outside and watch the fellowship. Yeah. There's some folk in here, we were all together singing one time, and there was a lady doing dialysis. You all remember that, those of y'all were there? And she said, what church is that you go to where the fellowship and the love? Yeah, you remember that. Pastor Neary and I are standing there. Pastor Neary is singing a song. I cast all my cares upon you. I cast... Pastor Neary got a good voice, you know. He get up there and fake it. He act like he can't sing. He can sing. The Lord has got you, sister. And we do not know what is immediately before you. But the Lord is with you. And then as Pastor Neary will do when he's done, he turns and he says, Pastor Ryan, you got anything to say? And I always do. Stepped up to her bedside. I opened my Bible. What did I read? Psalms, Psalms 121. Because I always read Psalms. 121, and I began to read, I will lift up mine eyes, a very pertinent thing, though you can't speak, my eyes will be lifted up unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven, which made earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, sister. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And in the fashion of claiming promises, I like to say it again and put the person's name in there. He that keepeth you, he that keepeth your brother Neil, he that keepeth you will neither slumber nor sleep. And then we go through and we go through. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord, the Lord, the promises. And we got down to the end. This benediction of sorts. The Lord shall preserve thy going out 
thy coming in from this time forth. And then we get this part here. And even forevermore. Well, by now the tear was rolling down her cheek right here. And because of the circumstances, not for the first time, I said, seeing as we don't know what tomorrow holds, let's find out about this evermore that God is speaking of. Evermore, what is that? I'd like some evermore, please. And so then we immediately rolled over to Revelation chapter 21 and we read this and we read this John is writing now. John had one job, said what you see, John, write it down. John is doing the best he can. John is only equipped with the inadequate tools that is the human language. The Bible said, the eye hath not seen, the ear hath not heard. John is seeing heaven is blowing his mind, and he wants to write it down, and all he's got to describe it is words. Can you see him? Write, John. And I saw a new heaven. Oh, praise his name. And a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. The earth with the hospitals, the earth with the funerals, the earth with the cemeteries are passed away and there was no more sea. Hmm. John's just writing. John is writing. And I, John, saw the holy city. Can you see it? This divine metropolis, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Prepared as a bride, ah, adorned for her husband. Every time I get there, I remember the day I was married and the doors flew open and there was Anissa, prepared, have mercy. Mm-hmm. That's a bride, she's smiling at me, yeah. Wait till we get the glory, honey. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and then we jump down, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is the sweet part, and there shall be no more death. You can preach on this part right here, Pastor Neary. Ain't going to be no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Why? For the former things are passed away, and that is a wonderful thing to read. John describing the new city the new heavens, the new earth, but I would direct your attention to verse 3. I'm sitting there reading this. The woman is there in the bed. Pastor Neary is here. John said, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and women. And he, God, shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And look at this, and God himself Amen. shall be with them. Not a substitute. Come on, church. Not God by proxy. God himself. And it wasn't the first time that week that I had been struck by the significance of God himself delivering his people. Because now, rewind in time with me. I'm just going to scoop. This is me going back in time. To last Sabbath. Again, that tasty duo. 
The vanilla and chocolate bald-headed preachers are there, but this time we also have Elder Charisma, Elder Ron, Elder Larry King, Brother Jim Jessets, and we are sitting in a quiet living room. There is a cat that is walking around being coy as cats are. And there sits Lori Turner, who days earlier had just lost her 28-year-old daughter, Samantha, to lung cancer. And it is not for me to tell the story of exactly how she died, not without permission, but it was one of the most heart-wrenching things I had ever heard. Us grown men were in there, tears were coming down as she talked about her last moments with her daughter. We begin the process again. We begin the process again. Who has something to read? And the elders opened up their Bibles and they read words of encouragement from Scripture. And then Pastor Neary asked, Pastor Johnson, do you have anything to share? And I always do. What did I read? Psalms 121. And we got to the evermore part. And then I said, wow, we need to see what this evermore is. And we went over here to Revelation chapter 21. And we read down here and then it struck me. God himself, that young lady sleeping in the grave, waiting on Jesus, God himself. And it reminded me of another verse. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 17. And then, praise the Lord, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Caught up with who? It says right there, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What a great victory. What a great getting up morning when we are finally delivered. But who shall bring the deliverance? How shall this salvation come? And it says it in the first four words of the verse, for God himself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. God coming himself to get his children. And as I thought about it, my mind went back to, to, to Daniel chapter 3 with the three Hebrew boys sitting in the fiery furnace. You know that story. The flames are all around them. And Nebuchadnezzar is there waiting for them to get crispified. The three Hebrew boys needed a deliverer. God did not send a telegram, did he? They did not get deliverance via Amazon Prime, did they? No, Nebuchadnezzar said he looked in the fire and he said, I see a fourth person and he looks like the Son of God, God himself in the fire with you. Oh, I think it's time to get personal. By the bedside, God himself in a broken home, God himself when you ain't got no more money, God himself in the midnight hour, God himself. God in person. Why? Because he's a personal God. And thus bracketing our last example are these two divine events. 
God himself, kneeling in the dirt to create humanity. The king of the universe willing to get dirty for us and still be righteous. And then God himself coming in the clouds of glory to take his children home, God in person, the personal God. And having thus set it up, we come to the crux of the message, don't we? To the fulcrum on which this thing is balanced. See that? God in the beginning, God at the end. And right here, Sister Lucy Rudolph, as well as myself and some of the rest of some other people in here, have the distinction of in addition to being parents and to the daily responsibilities that we have, we are also full-time students. So it should not surprise you that on a Tuesday afternoon, had a little break, Pastor Neary let me go home. I sat in this recliner. I just bought this recliner because it's the kind that will lift you all the way up onto your feet. Don't laugh at me. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that arthritis is bad, and I'm like, oh, yes. And then my son does something really bad. I'm, I'm coming, son. You, ooh, I'm coming. <laughs> you, you wait till I stand up. <laughs> and I'm sitting in this chair. And it doesn't surprise you, because I'm tired. I fell asleep. Drool coming out the side of my mouth. Nobody is cool when they sleep. And I missed all the text messages. So hours later, when I woke up, my phone had completely exploded. You know what I mean? And so I look, and I'm getting these text messages from my wife. And as I get down to the bottom, you know, I kind of get almost a forget you text message, but it says, I'm at the hospital now, okay? I will call you when I get out. Oh, I'm in trouble now. Hastily, I get on the phone. Honey, what's going on? Honey, you know, you got to pay me back, so I'm, she's not going to text me back, you know. No, really. She was being worked on by the doctor, and I got on the phone, and she gave this testimony up here, but she gave the modest version. I'm about to break it down. She got on the phone when I finally got a hold of her, and she told me the quick version. But it wasn't until that evening, as the kids were in bed doing drooling of their own, and I'm sitting on a stool in our bathroom, and my wife has a Q-tip, and she's cleaning blood from the beds of her nails. Honey, is that your blood? No, it's not mine. What happened? So my wife is a teacher over at Abundant Life, and we have some students here that go there. And my understanding is they were out there having recess. Now, Abundant Life is right there in the inner community, and right across the street there are several houses. Brother Misa, are you in here? We did the film, the Christian film, Silent Witness. Brother Misa was one of our stars in it. 
That's what I do. And this was the house that we did his part in. But the church had since sold the house, and there were people that are living there from the community. And while the school kids are out there playing, somebody looks over and they said, man, that is a lot of smoke coming out of that house. That's too much smoke for barbecue. And as they were watching, surely enough, it became apparent that the house was on fire. And they stood there watching as quickly the flames grew and hungrily licked at the structure of the house and even at the sky. And somebody pulled out a phone, because this is what you ought to do, and began to dial 911. This is a spectacle now. The house is aflame. The smoke is billowing. They're there. And while someone is calling someone else for help, see what I'm saying now? My wife said it was her. Looked in the window and saw somebody in there waving. Somebody is in that house. And the house is on fire. Now, in the movies, they make it look good. You know, you, <laughs> and you get on the ground and you go out. But no, no, no. It's black in there. It could be 700 degrees in a room that has not been sealed off. And this person is there waving. And I wonder if the person even had any hope of being saved. But the teachers are gathered around, and they're looking, and someone is in there, and they need to be saved. Who's going to save them? Well, we called 911. We can wait on 911 to show up, but by then it would have been too late. Somebody needs to save that person, you see. And they gathered together and they said, we're going to have to go ourselves. So then they approached the house and the heat is coming off the house. You can see this. Can you see this? Now, because they're there in the community, the house has bars on the windows. So in order to get in to save this person, somebody's going to have to remove the bars, you see. But the bars have been around hot fire, so what condition are the bars in? They are very, very hot. And I imagine as they were sitting there, they were thinking, if I try to save this person, it's going to hurt my hands. And then afterwards, we're going to have to break the glass. I'm going to bleed if I try to save this person. But whatever the cost, that group of teachers got together. And despite the injury to themselves, they hurt their hands. They hurt their feet. They shed blood to save one person. And they say that when they, when they pulled her out of the window, she was out of it, but it was like she couldn't believe that she'd been saved. And my wife is telling me this, and tears are coming down my face. She said, what's wrong with you? You're a grown man. I'm like, you don't understand, honey, because as you're telling me that story, I'm thinking about Jesus who saw me, saw me in an inferno. 
and said, somebody's got to save them. Saw you and said, somebody's got to save you. And Jesus could have said, yeah, you know, I would like to save them, but if I do, it's going to hurt my hands. I'm going to bleed. It's going to hurt my feet. He could have, couldn't he have? But he said, whatever it costs, I am going to save them. And we are told in the spirit of prophecy that when it became apparent that the creator was going to have to go himself and save humanity, the angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, they came up to him and said, don't go. I will go for you. Let me go in your place. Let me die. And Jesus said to them, I'm sorry. I appreciate it, but your sacrifice will not do. I'm going to have to go myself. And God himself came down. Amen. God himself. And what do we do? We hung him. We heard his hands, didn't we? Yeah. I'm going to save that one till last. I like that. He bled, did he not? We heard his feet. And his lady said, and we broke his heart. And you know what? Even after having done all that for us, we continue to break his heart every day. But when we needed a savior, Jesus came himself. God in person. A personal God. You never end a sermon without giving somebody an opportunity to make a commitment to that God. But today is communion. And I'm going to be straight with you. Can I be straight with them, Pastor? I'm going to be straight with you. Maybe to some in here it is an inconvenience and you cannot wait until the closing hymn is sung and you can get in your car and go home. If that's what you got to do, you do that. But on your way, I ask you to consider the God who did not find it inconvenient to come all the way down here himself and save you. So here's what our appeal will be. Our appeal will be the communion service. We are going to follow the example that Jesus set and we're going to wash each other's feet. We are going to fellowship with one another up in here. 
And let me tell you right now how that's going to happen. Over in the fellowship hall, the women will be. Go fellowship together. Sing some hymns. Get closer in Jesus. Over here by the choir room will be the men. But down there by the crater roll room, the married, and I do mean married couples, who would like to wash each other's feet, get closer together through this process. You can meet down there in the crater roll room. And while that's going on, we're going to have children's story here so the little ones can get a nice story and also we can wash feet. And then we are going to reconvene and we are going to specifically and deliberately focus on what God has done for us as we follow his instructions and go through the communion. At the end of communion, we always allot an amount of time, 60 seconds or so, whereby you can pray and I can pray silently and to ourselves. And in that space of time, you and God, God and you, having a conversation, if you want to rededicate yourself, see the appeal? If you are to make a commitment to the Jesus who was committed to saving you, right there, right then, Oh, you reach out to God. And the elders and the pastors will be available here. Make sure you talk to somebody. Give us your name. Let's study the Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's get it right with Jesus together. That's how we're going to do it. And we just want to be saved and ready when it comes. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven. Lord, I thank you that when we needed to be saved, you yourself, in person, the personal God, came and saved us. Oh, Lord, how can we ever say thank you enough for what you've done? But you know what, Lord? We give you our lives such as they are. We give you our hearts such as they are. Save us, Lord, save us. And let it be. And when it is all said and done, we can be together like this at the welcome table on the sea of glass and around your throne. Thank you, dear Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let everybody say, Amen.